lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. Here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. You are you, and you can let us know who you are by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me on Twitter and Getter, at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for us over on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace, and then get clips of the show that are real and free and free of censorship. When you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. One of the private text chains uh, that I'm in, or text groups I'm in, with uh, names you would know, the topic came up this morning on the price of diesel. And one of the individuals said, hey, I mean, are you guys covering this at all? Do you guys know how many stories I get from you or from friends every day. Are you guys covering this? You covering? I mean, the amount of systemic meltdowns happening here, I just can't cover them all. I, I just, I mean, I, I don't even know how we begin to because you're watching a systemic takedown, meltdown, maybe judgment of a culture, which is another reason why. And as my buddy pointed out, if it's five bucks a gallon for diesel now, I mean, hey, what is diesel power? A lot of those vehicles that power the stuff you buy in all those stores, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think they just go ahead and absorb that cost? They will not. They, they do not. So who do they pass that on to? Us. Yeah. If you think inflation is bad now, if this diesel diesel shortage continues, my buddy's like, what are what's the inflation index and the price of goods and services going to be? three, four months from now when that lag catches up to us, right? Just another reason why you want to be prepared with our friends at My Patriot Supply. Right now, you can save $150 off their three-month emergency food kit and get free shipping. And that includes three square meals a day plus snacks and drinks, 2,000 plus calories for you and everyone in your home that you could have available to you right now for $150 off plus free shipping when you go to preparewithdace.com. Again, that's preparewithdace.com, and this stuff stays good for up to 25 years with proper storage at preparewithdace.com. All right, coming up on the show here today, uh, at the bottom of the hour, I am putting yours truly on the chopping block for fake news or not. I will explain coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, Dr. Naomi Wolf is going to join us. Go ahead and check that box. Erzin, something else I thought would never, ever happen in the the history of this program, let alone my career. That's right. Former Clinton administration official, third wave feminist pioneer. And now, like-minded COVID stand skeptic. Dr. Naomi Wolf will be on this program, which is an official dispatch of the patriarchy every day for two hours right here live on Blaze TV. But we are going to compare notes and take a look at her brand new book that's coming up next hour on the show. And then for Pop Culture Tuesday, next week, Fathom events in Cinemark theaters across the country 
will be hosting an event with a pro-life film. The three of us got the chance to review a sneak peek of it. We will discuss and give you our review coming up for Pop Culture Tuesday next hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What ha- Maybe someday. If the computer, you know, actually starts. What happened while we were away brought to you by It's the Economy, Stupid. Despite a paltry but better-than-forecasted April jobs report, the U.S. economy is at least on the brink of recession, if not already there. Just today, the nationwide average price of gasoline reached a new record high at $4.37 a gallon. A year ago, the average price for gasoline was $2.96. The S&P 500, NASDAQ, and Dow Jones were all down over the last week, including a couple of those reaching new lows for the year. And Joe Biden says, The bottom line is this. My top priority is fighting inflation. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, so does that mean you're resigning or what? In completely unrelated news, Biden signed the Ukraine Democracy Defense Lend-Lease Act of 2022 for the purpose of streamlining financial aid to that blank hole country. This comes on the heels of Biden asking Congress for another $40 billion in aid to Ukraine. Moving on, dozens of left-wing terrorists, including Antifa and other groups, showed up at the home of Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito last night. Alito had already been moved to an undisclosed location for his protection over the weekend. This woman also showed up to say she wishes her mother had killed her. As I said before, my mother didn't have a choice, so I'm here, but I had 57 years of misery. If she had a choice, she would have made different decisions, and I might not have been here, nobody would have been the wiser. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot tweets, To my friends in the LGBTQ plus community, the Supreme Court is coming for us next. This moment has to be a call to arms. On Sunday, two Molotov cocktails were thrown at the headquarters of Oregon Right to Life in a suburb of Salem. MSNBC, your thoughts? Yes, so I mean, here's the thing. Here's my feeling about the leaker. I I would like to find out who the leaker is so I could make sweet love to that person. Because that person is a hero <laughs> to me. Okay? And if the leaker, yeah. a lot of people are saying it could be a conservative. If the leaker is a Republican, uh, and if I get pregnant during our lovemaking, I will joyfully abort our fetus and let them know. <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question. Meanwhile, in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday established November 7th as the Victims of Communism Day. He also signed a law requiring students in Florida schools to learn about communism and its devastating effects. DeSantis is absolutely mopping the floor in terms of fundraising for his gubernatorial re-election bid. He's raised over $143 million so far. Democrat Charlie Crist has raised $9.2 million Nikki Freed, $7.6 million, and somebody named Annette Tadio has raised just over $2 million. In other words, DeSantis is bringing a Moab to this fight while his challengers have mustered a few cap guns. The late show on CBS has halted production after host Stephen Colbert showed signs of COVID. Yes, this Colbert. NBA coach Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors was one of the only coaches in the league 
to wear a mask stem to stern this season. Last night, he missed one of the Warriors' playoff games after testing positive for COVID. In completely unrelated news, here's Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Lori Garrett, who made her bones as a journalist covering epidemics. This was a speech she gave to the National Academy of Medicine in 2018. There's only a couple of countries that have ever really done large-scale studies to try and figure out what might work. Japan, it may not surprise you, is one of them. And they, in one of their large studies, they basically showed that the masks, the, it seemed like the major efficacy of a mask is that it causes alarm in the other person. <laughs> and so you stay away from each other. And that's what I think happened with SARS. When I was in the SARS epidemic, I saw everywhere, all over Asia, people started wearing these masks. And it is alarming when you walk down the street and everybody coming towards you has a mask on. You definitely do social distancing. You definitely, it's just a, a gut thing. But did the mask really help them? Did the mask keep the virus out? Almost certainly not. This is Lori Garrett now, and here's what she has to say for herself. This was in 2018 before COVID-19, and I was speaking in the context of flu and SARS, neither of which is as devastating in airborne transmission as COVID. And I wasn't thinking of N95 masks, but of those loser surgical ones used by the public then. Still, masking is the same as social distancing. Here's Donald Trump at a rally in Pennsylvania over the weekend. With us are some friends of mine. They wanted to say, I said, don't come tonight. Let's go another time. It's pouring. Woody Johnson, a great gentleman. You ever hear of Johnson & Johnson? He owns the place, I tell you what. This guy's got cash like nobody's got cash. Johnson & Johnson. His incredible wife, Suzanne Johnson, whose family is very, very close, and she comes from... Ukraine, so she's uh, she has a little bit of a hard time with it, but she's an incredible woman. The retail store Target is partnering with a brand called Tomboy X during the month of June to sell chest binders and so-called packing briefs. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. FBI sternly warns mob at Justice Kavanaugh's home to stay away from school board member's house next door. And that's what happened while we were away. That really happened at the Trump rally? Yeah. I was waiting. And here's Dr. Fauci. The same day that the FDA is shutting down their COVID vaccine, he has them up on stage because he's, quote, worth a ton of cash. The magical power of vaccines. The same day? Granted, FDA probably didn't shut down the J&J vax because of, uh, you know, blood clotting or stuff. It's probably it's probably actually because of that video. Aaron's montage is brought to you by something more American households need. A real education. And if you're looking for options in the fall, the good ones are going to fill up fast, like our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. I know these people personally, got to know them during the Common Core Wars a decade ago, and then had my own son, Noah, enlisted at Freedom Project Academy for a couple of years before uh, he got an interest in sports, and we put him uh, locally in Des Moines Christian. But if you're thinking maybe homeschooling's an option, but I'm not sure I'm the option for homeschooling, let our friends at Freedom Project Academy, let them step in uh, into that gap for you because they're going to teach your child mastery of subject matter, not spirit of the age propaganda, how to think, not what to think. They encourage, in fact, demand 
critical thinking and your children will be taught the way the founding forging generations of this country were taught before uh, the schools became hashtag Satan's youth ministry. If you want to get some information right now for free, do not delay. Go to freedom for school, F O R freedom for school.com freedom for school.com coming up in the overtime today, which we will record Right after the program, uh, the live show, we'll record that for Blaze TV subscribers and then upload it for you later today to watch at blazetv.com slash DACE, D-E-A-C, which is also where you can go to get a discounted subscription today. In today's overtime, last night, Tucker Carlson went there. And this may be the, the largest platform or biggest show in recent memory in modern American history to actually go there. He will play a portion of it and react and respond for you today uh, at blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's get to what is in the montage. And, uh, uh, you know, these stories in many respects, or at least a couple of them, kind of tie together. Let's start with the the protests. And, and again, I'm just going to say this. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Uh, the woman who says that I wish my mom would have murdered me does not really believe that. She looked like she's 12 years old, 14 years old, 25 years old. No, she looks like she's at least in her 40s or 50s. Actually, didn't she say she, she say she's 50s, 57? Yeah. yeah, she should. She could have impaled herself a long time ago. She doesn't believe that. Could have just, you know, closed the garage, fired up the car, you know, plugged up the exhaust pipe and, and took the dirt nap into perpetuity. She doesn't believe that. These women who say these things don't believe this. If they did, they would have acted on it, but they don't. That's just because I want to seem compliant. I want to show that I belong. What what is the next most extreme or dumbass thing that I could say to show I'm one of the good people? I wish my mom would have murdered me. Show me your conviction. Show me. I think it's only fair, right? We as Christians get asked all the time to demonstrate our conviction, first of all, from our Lord. Why do you call me Lord if you do not do what I say, right? Mm -hmm. And then every time some Christian actually shows they're a human being or has been lying about what they believe and has been a flaming hypocrite the entire time, not just struggling, but the flaming hypocrite, right? The the entirety of 2,000 years of Christian teaching and tradition has to be put on trial every single time, right? Every single time there's one of these? Well, turnabout is fair play. Show us your devotion and your life. Show us. Show us you mean it. Fire up the car. Close the garage door. Go OD on a bunch of fentanyl. That's pretty much on every street corner nowadays. I understand guns make a mess. Slit your wrist in a tub. That's an easy cleanup. Show us your devotion. I demand it. I demand you show you really mean this because you don't. You're just a hack simp for the spirit of the age. Just opening your mouth and rotten sulfur comes out. You don't really believe this stuff. 
and no one saying this really believes it. They're literally living proof that they don't believe any of this. They don't. So you shouldn't believe any of it either. I've never seen anything like the Ron DeSantis fundraising number difference. In fact, I didn't didn't think that was possible. Like, you know, cosmically, I've just never seen anything like that. And you reacted to it while we were I mean, watching it. Yeah. And, but that was before seeing what happened at the Trump rally. It only makes... Yes, it does. It's, all, it's more shattering when yeah. you see that. Yeah. How tone deaf do you have to be? Here's Woody Johnson from Johnson & Johnson on the day their vaccine has gotten shut down. How, how freaking tone deaf do you have to be? How out of touch with your base do you have to be? Little Birdie told me last night that Sean Hannity lobbied Trump hard for the Mitt Romney, I'm sorry, um, uh, wrong M, uh, Mehmet Oz endorsement. And by the way, the next time Sean Hannity does something and produces something meaningful and lasting will be the first time. Has anyone in the history of this industry produced more content, made more money, to accomplish nothing of any significance or value whatsoever than Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity is the CNN plus of conservative media. If he had to break out from Fox News or or iHeart, the two biggest production companies in all of conservative media, and if he had to sell this on his own, just got a Patreon page, a GoFundMe. I just had to market this peer-to-peer directly to you. CNN plus kind of numbers is what it would generate. What, what, what does he do other than provide a platform for Lindsey Graham to lie to you on a weekly basis on national television? Well, Getting to the bottom of nothing. What has he accomplished or ever accomplished? I've never, I've never understood that. There's other people in this industry who I also think are hacks, but I can see the talent and I can see the interest, Right. I don't see the talent or the interest, and I certainly don't see any form of lasting effect ever, ever. In fact, early in my career, when my local radio management blamed me for why John McCain lost Iowa by nine points, because apparently I had that kind of power two years into a radio program. So it was my fault that John McCain lost by nine points in Iowa because, you know, he did so much better nationwide. Iowa was just a total outlier. Right. Wrong. So I was literally put on probation and told I had to beat Sean Hannity in the ratings in the next ratings book or I was out of here. That's what I was told. He was on a 50,000 watt FM. I was on a 50,000 watt AM. Same time of the day. I beat him three to one head to head. And the rest, as they say, is history. And that was just when I was a local hack. I, I just never understood the attraction on any level whatsoever. I don't know anybody in this industry that has produced more content that is beyond meaningless than Hannity. But hey, it's good. He gives Lindsey Graham the first transgendered Republican. He gives him an an endless, pervasive, perpetual audience on Fox News and lobbies Trump for Mehmet Oz. But that's not important now. The guy that's on stage introducing Woody Johnson probably didn't take a lot of convincing to endorse Mehmet Oz. You know what I'm saying? That guy probably didn't take a lot of arm twisting. I I just, I, I, I just can't even fathom that. I don't even get it. 
And then you turn around and you look at DeSantis's numbers, fundraising. I can't even fathom that. I've never seen anything like that. Guys, I've worked full-time in politics for 16 years. Before that, I was a political nerd. Read everything I possibly could, except Hannity's books, because even then I recognized, worthless. Never heard of a stat like that. We're talking, this isn't, he's not the Republican governor of Wyoming. It's Florida. He won by 40,000 votes. And yes, I'm going to say it again because it makes you uncomfortable. He barely beat a guy who literally got busted for doing cocaine off a gay hooker's ass. Three years later, by is the term we learned during the COVID falsification data season, in order of magnitude, he is trouncing the Democrat field. I've just never seen a number like that. And how did he do it? How did he do it? It's just all issues, man, all the time. That's all it is. No shtick, nothing. In fact, I got all kinds of people telling me they think Ron DeSantis has Asperger's because he just seems too singularly focused and doesn't connect with people well one-on-one. I can't tell you how many people I've heard, insiders, who that's one of the going theories out there. I'm like, really? Inject me with some of that then because, I mean, obviously there must be a benefit to it if that indeed is what he has. I've just never, just no shtick, no fluff, man. Nothing. It's just... 100% man, USDA, prime rib, every single day, every single news cycle. That's all he does. And how have the people responded? What issues did he compromise on? I had another little birdie tell me this morning he was on a polling call uh, with the the GOP intelligentsia early this a.m. going over the latest polling. And it confirms the CNN data. Their own internal numbers show that they've gone up. They, they are wondering how much further they can go up on a generic ballot poll. Because there's just so much, there's, there's so much political balkanization that, that there is a ceiling and a floor for both sides, right? The GOP's already broken through what they thought their ceiling was. Because you're looking at numbers where, where Biden is approaching like minus 30 net favorable with independence, like the kind of stuff that's just like, you know, why are you even still in office? Literally, how are you surviving this? And it shows anyway, the polling call this morning, they went up another two points with the row leak. And the reason why, my little birdie says, is it's because they went insane, the stuff that's in Aaron's montage. And my birdie, my birdie says, you know what this shows you is the DeSantis model is politically what people like you and what people like you have been arguing, he said to me, since I can, as long as I can remember, that we don't have to choose between principles and pragmatism. That success begets success. Be good at this and people will reward you. It just goes to show it's true. Because the most principled position we could have taken, overturning Roe, and to Trump's credit, hey, when you're living in Trump's world, man, (laughs) 
literally st- paragraph by paragraph, Trump giveth and Trump taketh away. Right? Well, Trump, tr- Trump, I just was just trashing him. Well, now I'm going to praise him. He changed the calculus when he said in 2016 that he wasn't here to appro- appoint strict constructionist judges or the typical GOP talking point. Now he sat there at the presidential debate and said, yeah, I want to appoint judges that are going to overturn Roe. You weren't supposed to say that. The consultant said, don't ever say that out loud. Well, he did. Turns out he likely did it, too, based on what we're going to find out here any day now. And so what happens is taking this principled position provokes their crazies to come out and go mainstream. The chud leaves the sewers and is now out walking around the cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. That is their crazy base. It's no longer hidden behind suburban women Karen's concerned about tone. No. The real face shows up. The wolf shows up at Little Red Riding Hood's door. No grandma disguise. It's just fangs and claws. And if there's one thing that all the polling shows, everybody that's a non-communist, regardless of what they think about Donald Trump, all non-communists hate the violent radicalism of the left. They hate it. Guys, they cannot stand it. They are repulsed by it. So what has DeSantis done? He's taken all these uber-principled positions and he's provoked them to show their true face the entire time. There's no wolves in sheep's clothing in Florida. It's just wolves. And look at the numbers. They speak for themselves. Same thing with overturning Roe. I was told for years we couldn't do that. How many years, how many shows before you even came to work here, Todd and Aaron, how many shows on the pro-life issue would I do questioning people from National Right to Life and all these major organizations if we can't end abortion without overturning Roe? Stop. You know the question. You've heard me ask it 27,000 times. If we can't end abortion without overturning Roe, which by the way, I don't even agree with, but fine, I'll go with your paradigm. Don't you actually have to craft legislation that would potentially overturn Roe? For 30 years, we didn't do that. And still got called all forms of racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigots anyway. While they got to lie behind my body and my choice. The last few years, we started doing that. They're now throwing tampons, wearing pussy hats, chanting Hail Satan, and literally sending thugs outside of Supreme Court justices' homes to intimidate them. And lo and behold, what's happened to our side's numbers? Did they go up or go down? They went up, man. Huh. Weird. And we could have been doing this the entire time. Now, we can't do anything about screwing up 1994 and 2012 and 2001. We can't do anything about that. So stop thinking about that. And that's more for me than you, because I keep wanting to go back and pull my hair, last remaining hair follicles out about it. We can only deal with now the future. And in the future, we're never going back to that time ever again. We're going to be upfront about our principles. We're going to intentionally provoke their crazy to come out because that's actually to our political benefit. And Ron DeSantis is living proof of that. Trump was living proof of that 
before he wanted to introduce you to Woody Johnson of Johnson and Johnson on the day that his poisonous jab got uh, shot down by the FDA, which has a fetish for poisonous jabs. So how mad must the J&J vaccine actually be? Gentlemen, your thoughts. The fact, and I hadn't seen that either. The fact that he did that again after our conversation yesterday, uh, where we questioned, you know, Trump isn't even saying anything about this pro-life victory that you just mentioned, or soon to be likely victory. He, he's not at that talking about that. At, at least as far as we know, he's he's talking about the vaccine. It. I, it make it makes me wonder. I, get, I don't think Trump has decided what he's doing. Uh, he's done this before, and it worked for him. Carnival barking until the very last second. So, and, and I'm struck by the fact that we are right here with your frustration in 2016. We had the best conservative candidate we've ever had in a generation, and here's Donald Trump. And now we have a guy. Who's an even better one. Even better you, can, one. I, you looked at me. I, you can yeah, say it. I was it's true. Think, I was thinking. I know. It's okay. It's true. We all know it's yeah. true. Because DeSantis has done the stuff as a governor yeah. that Cruz was just theorizing about as a freshman senator. We've actually seen a proof of concept with DeSantis. So you can say it. It's true. We know it's true. You know, with outside looking in, I know this is not how Trump thinks through things. Honestly, you could ride off into the sunset both as someone with influence, as somewhat of a kingmaker, and with the knowledge that you perhaps forever changed the right. We're not talking about Roe v. Wade getting overturned, if not for Trump. We're not talking about a new right, if not for Trump Amen. as well. Amen. You could ride off into the sunset on that and call it a really, really Hell good Hell yeah, life. you could. Or you could introduce Woody Johnson of the Johnson & Johnson now um, acknowledged poisonous vaccine. <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> That happened. So just like progressive policies, uh, progressive lenses can also be uh, very cumbersome uh, and frustrating and, well, uh, dorky. And that's where our friends over at Better Spectacles come in because they now have access to German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear available for mass distribution for the first time here in the U.S. If you don't know who Rodenstock is, they're considered one of the world's gold standards in eyewear, over 500 patents. And now they make it that if you're like me, you're a little far, you're a little near, or you wear bifocals, um, and you, of course, have been relegated to the dorky frames that are the stuff of internet memes. No longer does that have to be the case. The glasses I'm wearing right now are living proof. I got those from Better Spectacles. These are handcrafted rodent stock frames. And right now, they will give you access to their best trained opticians in the country and 61% off an introductory offer to get you started. Plus, they throw in the handcrafted rodent stock frames for free. And yes, by the way, if you just have a run-of-the-mill average prescription, same offer applies to you too. Just visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Go there now, betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Let's get to this week's edition of Fake News or Not. And first, a little backstory, because I'm putting myself on the chopping block with this week's episode. I like it. Okay. So about a month ago, uh, one of my best buddies and someone that I helped 
when he was just a wee lad, get his opening break and start into politics, uh, came to me. And now he's moved because, you know, why did I help him get his start? Because he clearly had so much political potential, even I was able to recognize it. (laughs) And so I gave him some access to my initial connections, and he has surged far beyond that. Uh, And he's got a lot of ties within MAGA world and worked within and for the Trump White House. And uh, I mean, he's just uh, Ben Carson. He's got a lot of connections. He's made a very he's, he's done very well for himself. And um, he was asked, him and his company were asked to come in uh, here in the final stretch of the Illinois Republican gubernatorial primary uh, and and try to get a campaign for a guy named Gary, a business, a successful Illinois businessman named Gary Rabin, try to help that campaign get on track here in what's a pretty muddled primary and it's Illinois politics. So there's not a lot of conservative organization there in the the state of Chicago, if you know what I'm saying. And yes, I know Chicago's not a state. It's a play on words. Save me your emails. All right. So he came to me shortly after agreeing to do this and said, all right, if you could come up with one 30-second ad that would help me to reintroduce my candidate and try to get him on the record speaking to what time it is, and what issues really matter right now, what would it be? I said, well, give me some time to think about it. I took about a half an hour, which for me, that's actually a pretty long time, isn't it, actually? It is. That's a long time for me to contemplate something. So I I took about a half an hour, and on my phone, I began texting him a script. And I would say him and I went back and forth on a couple of tweaks, but about 90% of the first thing I, that initial text that I gave to him 30 minutes later is what ended up being, including the main theme. Because I think I texted you a look at it right before I sent it over to him, see what you thought about it, right? And so this is the vast majority of what I initially sent him is this actual ad, which the campaign launched last week. So I thought it was time for you guys to get a little sample of what, I have done professionally, not just because I've talked about it. So here's your chance to look at it. And then I'll let you guys break it down for fake news or not after this. For too long, Illinois has been known as a haven for Democrat corruptocrats and want to be communist. But it wasn't always this way. Our state gave the country the leader who won the Civil War and the leader who won the Cold War. I'm running for governor to be the leader that helps us win the culture war. Our kids aren't racist, boys aren't girls, and we're never allowing our kids to be used as political pawns ever again. If you agree with this kind of good old America first, common sense, and want a leader who can't be bought, then please vote for me. Okay, so that's the ad. Fake news or not, number one. Does it accomplish the goal that my buddy asked me to accomplish with this, which is? help to send a clear signal here's who i am as a candidate here's why i'm running and yes i actually know what time it is and what's at stake yes that is not that is not fake news and um it's incredibly clear concise precisely written uh can we take a step back though the fact that some of those things, especially the boys aren't girls or girls aren't boys line in there, 
that's now like uh, part of a campaign platform in the year 2022. It's amazing. Like it, it, pretty much any of that stuff, any of the uh, talking points, if you want to call them, any of the the platforms contained within that 30 seconds, we took for granted like 10 years ago, if not, you know, uh, even sooner. So that's not fake news, but at the same time, it's very telling that that's a refreshing, a refreshing uh, campaign ad in a time like this when it really just restates, you know, basic reality i'm give me the flexibility to say yes and no okay because yes especially the way you used lincoln and reagan it is perfect we're both illinois natives that's why illinois natives with huge as you say important name id okay Way beyond, I don't know who a Gary Rabin is. Did I even get his first name right? I, 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 never, I never heard the name okay. until my buddy called me one night. Yeah, so first the, time I heard the name in my life. You, yeah. you are elevating uh, name ID in a state that is, is Illinois currently full of Ronald Reagans and Abraham Lincolns? They're, they're filled with the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So you are, the, the stakes are being made incredibly clear. That's why it's a win. Why it might be fake news is here's the thing. Because I don't know this guy, the bar is being set at a DeSantis level in a state that it would be even harder to do DeSantis things than in Florida. He did it in Florida, as you said, very, very hard. Mm -hmm. Now try doing that in Illinois. I'm just saying this guy better be the real deal because nobody's words steve daces cicero whoever if you don't have the backbone to lift those words up and go to war it it, this is a 10 from a rhetoric point of view but we as you just said in the first half hour of this show this rhetoric must come with a clenched fist i don't know about enough about this guy if he's the guy but he said it he ran it, so maybe it's a start. So I love that you took that tact, and and this is the, because it's the it just segues perfectly into where I was going to okay. go next with this conversation. I I didn't intend it this way, um, but you guys know I'll try to often come up with several reasons why I do or don't do things. I, I like I like value. I'm big into more, so I like. Um, I like added value to decisions I make. Um, and the, and the reason that I agreed to do this isn't just because one of my best buddies asked me to do it. And while I never heard the name Gary Rabin, I know, uh, this gentleman and, uh, he's been a guest in my home countless times. He's a, uh, my, my kids know him. He walked through the door and my kids would know who he is. Okay. So him going to work for him is enough for me. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that once I let it out that I wrote this ad, which I was always going to do if they ran it, because I just thought it would be fair to put myself and my own content up for the scrutiny that I often do other people within the nuts and bolts process of politics. Right. It would be looked at as it's unavoidable as some form of a de facto endorsement of Rabin, right? Right. Like I like like if 
if a friend of mine lost their damn minds and said, you know what? You're right. There's like 17 abortifacient products on Amazon right now. And I'm working for so-and-so and we're trying to differentiate ourselves from the other 16. Would you put together a 30 second commercial off the top of your head? Would I do that? Mm. No. Okay. But can you run this ad and not really believe it? Because as Trump learned when he ran for president, the first time he never anticipated, I promise you, I know this firsthand as from a, for a fact, him, he never anticipated he would see what he saw that summer of 2015 where his golf courses are getting canceled. His business, his long-term business associations are being stripped of him before he, before he was even, we were even sure he was a serious candidate before he was the clear front runner in the race. Just for daring to step on the tripwire of immigration and call BS on the system. His business interests paid a heavy toll. They have continued to pay a heavy toll. That's one of the reasons why, beyond just beliefs, that you've seen the family stay very involved politically because that's kind of the main family business now. A lot of the old business associations and dealings and pop culture cachet that they used to be able to cash in on, they, they can't do that anymore because um, he, he's beloved by the deplorables and the system hates you. And so by, so by extension, it hates him. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So can you really run that ad? I mean, you could if you're naive, if you really don't understand what the blowback would be if it actually caught fire. Isn't the act of running that ad kind of a self-assessment in and of itself? Meaning that, would you really come forward with something like that, with those kinds of themes, if you on some level did not believe them, unless you were dangerously naive about what the cost of proclaiming them would be? I want to say yes, but I have this picture of Mitch McConnell holding a automatic weapon in his hands. An AR-15 at CPAC and, and a few I years ago when I was there. out of my head. The last time I was there. And yeah. I also have this picture, why, this, again, it, it, to make my point about what he's dealing with in Illinois. And I just happened to see this this weekend on TV in this one of your favorite movies, The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. But what he's asking willingly to do is once it's... Uh, uh, revealed that Alexander, whatever pain, thinks that uh, Captain America has the uh, goods on him and what's going on with Hydra, and he finds himself five minutes later in that elevator with like 10 guys, and Captain America says, um, anybody want to get off before this starts? I mean, he's willingly walking into that elevator in right. Illinois if he's going right. to do this. Right. I don't know enough about the guy, but God, if he is, I want in. I want in. What do you think of that, Aaron? Is is this almost a self-enforcing mechanism if you've ever run an ad like that? I think if it, for these specific themes, I would tend to agree. I, I'm I'm thinking about Joni Ernst, though, yeah. uh, an ad that we just talked about not too long ago. That's the squeal ad, but that's you know uh, we're gonna make the uh, we're gonna make him squeal in Washington, whatever that was. Has but she? that's. Yeah, no, no, but that's an ad that basically anyone, any any generic Republican, yeah, can run. It was just very cheeky. cutting right, waste, fraud, and abuse. Yeah. Blah, blah, but it was very pointed. I don't, I don't think these themes necessarily necessarily lend themselves to that sort of candidate. So I I tend to agree. All right, final question. Even if you can, even if you do believe this, 
is is that the kind of ad that you can do a half measure with? Meaning, uh, I, I I don't know Gary Rubin. I just know he's a successful businessman. That's all I know. Can you? Is that an ad that you can put it out on a Facebook watch page and see if it goes viral on its own? And if it does, then you then you give it rocket fuel. Or do you have to come out guns blazing and own a message like that from the beginning and force that into the consciousness? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm branding myself like this. I'm putting a half million dollars down or a million, whatever it is. And this is my closing message to the primary voters of Illinois. And this is not just something, a, a side hustle message. So your analysis about DeSantis is the answer to that. He just... It never stops. It's just on to the next mission. Always, always, always. There's you, you can't just ride the coattails of one salvo of flowery rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. This is we are at the eleventh hour. Bullets are really flying. So what's that mean for people that are in the audience right now that want to run for legislature, school board? And what what's this conversation mean for them? Because I get emails from a bunch of them all the time asking me, hey, what's your thoughts on this or what's your advice on this? And it's it's hard for me to give specific advice to you because I don't know your specific situation, right? I don't know um, your district or your county or your, uh, you know, your uh, state as well as you do. I don't know what you've put into it as well as you do. So it's hard to give a lot of specific advice over email, even though I get asked to do it a ton. But... I think the big piece of advice is if this is your kind of message, then you have to own it holistically. It can't be a facet of your message, right? Right. That it is your core fundamental message. It is your core branding. And it doesn't mean that everything has to be turned into a culture war issue, right? But that ultimately, that's if that's what you're doing and what you're running for, you can't, there are, new, there are no lukewarm hells in politics. You need the way you carry this message. It needs to be obvious that it is who you are. It's not product tested or anything like that. It it has to be clearly something that's organic within you, and you will take it to the grave. But that part is key there. That you will take it to the grave. Your ultimate concern isn't winning. You it, you believe it's a winning message. You're advertising it as a winning message. But here's the thing: a lot of people lose their uh, in politics lose their guts when it seems like they might lose that race. And all and they start. Who are the people behind you? Who are the people who you worked with to craft this message and are going to work with you in the future? Uh, I, I, it's very, very hard to find the people who say that I'm with you to the end, Aragorn, you know, it, and that's crucial because that's where we are in history. That's what time it is. It is a winning message, but your bottom line can't be winning. Your bottom line has to be the truth wherever it leads. Very quickly. So the question for, you know, what people can do who are thinking about running for local office, what have you, I'd say when it comes to messaging, less is more. Now, it's true that uh, transgenderism is a demonic construct, is is straight from the pit of hell, and it's being used in our schools for this end and that end. Just say boys are not girls. And then I would say keep it simple as well. And I think that ad... Kind of, kind of did and accomplished both of those goals when it comes to messaging. All right, we'll come back. Dr. Naomi Wolf will join us. Stay tuned.
Dace back with our two here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Don't forget, you can always let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter and then get clips of the show that are free of censorship, free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Those of you that listen via the podcast, we appreciate each and every one of you. You're a huge part of our audience. Please, though, we would ask you show your appreciation for us. If you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, you might be thinking, I I hate this show. In fact, I hate myself for listening to it. If that's the case, we wouldn't ask you to lie. But if you're like, yeah, your show's okay, we would totally ask you to embellish and exaggerate, though. All right, so uh, no two or three star or even four star reviews. We would just prefer you either hate this or give it a five star review. So keep those coming, please. And don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button on the podcast platform of your choice. And also don't forget that Bill Bar is the single greatest protein bar of all time. You no longer have to make the choice between good tasting snacks and healthy ones because Bilt Bar has the texture and the flavor of a candy bar. In fact, I think it's better than a lot of the candy bars that are out there. But it also uh, is packed with the protein you need, all covered in real chocolate, but minus those carbs, those calories, those grams of sugars that you don't want. All right, and if you want to try today, so many great flavors to choose from. Uh, The top two in my power ratings uh, are the chocolate chip cookie dough chunk, coconut brownie chunk, but frankly, you can't go wrong with any of them whatsoever. When you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar, built.com, 140 calories or less at built.com and use my last name Dace as your promo code to get 10% off at built.com the name of the book and it releases at the end of this month and pre-orders are happening right now at amazon.com the bodies of others the new authoritarians COVID-19 and the war against the human its author joins us now in a long overdue conversation, Dr. Naomi Wolf. And uh, Naomi, it is good to have you finally here on the Steve Day Show. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm really happy to be speaking to you. We've spoken before. I'm an admirer of yours. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You had incredibly kind words about our book, Fauci and Bargain, when it came out about this time last year. So thank you. And I have had this sort of out-of-body experience. If there's anything good that has happened through the last 26 months of this scandemic, it has introduced me to a whole different slate of people that I, when I got into this business, I frankly thought I had I had virtually nothing in common with whatsoever. And now I find myself reading or communicating with this group of people on a regular basis. You're in that group. I would imagine, um, you know, we were joking the other day, whether you agree or disagree, go back and tell your 2011 self that Donald Trump became president and appointed the justices that overturned Roe. How about we go talk to the 1996 Naomi Wolf and say, hey, you're going to be doing frequent podcast or broadcast with Steve Bannon. Right. This is this has become a we have truly proven Shakespeare's axiom that politics makes for strange bedfellows. These are weird and interesting times, are they not? I mean, yes and no. Yes. When it it, when you compare it with the last 
30 or 40 years in which there's been a kind of left right establishment that's been set up and that thrives on people from across the political spectrum never speaking to each other and you know caricaturing each other and demonizing each other but uh, you know no when you go back th- through our nation's history there have always been people who loved our country above party. And there have always been people who understood that the Constitution was more important than, you know, Tory or 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 Whig or whatever the, you know, U.S. equivalent was um, throughout the decades. And and we need to we're in a time of crisis, which I think you and I agree mm-hmm. in which the issues that may divide us like I may not have the same sense of the ideal reproductive rights policy as you do, or you and I might not agree on kind of fossil fuels and climate change or who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But what's absolutely more important is the coup we're under right now, the assault on our constitution, the suppression of our civil liberties. And as you were prescient and ahead of the curve in identifying the wholesale corruption of our government agencies and, and our medical establishment, you know, via our government agencies. So those are things that should just concern us as Americans. And there have been times when Americans have united uh, across party lines in times of crisis. I mean, certainly the First and Second World War, people were not like, you know, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican. They united to save freedom and to fight for liberty around the world. And, you know, we're in such a time. I think what's united this unique coalition here is a lot of a lot of the division before we entered into this new world of intersectionality and wokeism. But the political paradigm of right-left that I entered into when I started doing this full-time 16 years ago, the, the traditional division really between the traditional liberal and the traditional conservative is the traditional conservative saw big government as the primary conduit for creeping authoritarianism. Mm. And the traditional liberal saw corporatism uh, and corporate America as as the primary conduit. And so one looked, so the traditional liberal looked to government as a check and balance against that encroaching uh, power of corporations. And conservatives, we got a lot of our funding from corporations in order to try to stand up to the encroaching authoritarianism of government. What has happened here with COVID is we have transcended that now. And, and we have a true look at the traditional definition of fascism, which is the alliance of elites in the public and private sector uh, for the purposes of commanding the way of life of the the populace. That's what this is exposed, that the FDA, for people from your traditional persuasion, is not a check and balance against against Pfizer for that for that for for those purposes and on my side of the aisle holy crap man frankly uh you know as much as as much as government has grown my bodily autonomy is far more threatened right now by Pfizer than it is whatever I think of you guys as climate change ideas right and I think that's sort of what has created this unique moment is to see these two entities that traditionally were the the, the the cornerstones of the old left-right paradigm have now, it's a Venn diagram. They're just, you know, circles that overlap each other. And I think that's what's caused a lot of critical thinkers to look at one another and say, we have to stop this. Right. Well, Steve, this is why I love, I love your analysis. I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, 
and it was reductive for my side to think, you know, tyranny would always come in an, in the guise of a big corporation. And it was respectfully naive of your side to think that, you know, government uh, was always the source of tyranny and that the free market would always protect you. And you're a thousand percent right historically. Uh, if you look back at Italian fascism, of course, um, the definition was the union of corporations with a tyrannical government. Same thing in Nazi Germany. Um, and some of some American corporations uh, colluded with Nazi Germany. Um, so fascism can come from multiple directions. And we are absolutely seeing a merger. And that's what the bodies of others really traces. And I would throw in a, a third entity, which is uh, evil nonprofits, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing right now is in transnational corporations, you know, the argument I make in the bodies of others is that a loose alliance of bad actors, and that's the World Economic Forum, which neither left nor right really ever uh, accounted for this kind of meta national um, globalist corp uh, entity, you know, as as a bad actor that could transcend nation states, um, bad nonprofits like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, nakedly corrupt nonprofits, big tech uh, for its own interests in creating kind of post humane world is my argument when where human spaces, human strengths are killed off and replaced by technology for the profit motive of big tech and um and government you know corrupted government agencies uh are are in alliance and i would even say pharma isn't even a main driver pharma mm -hmm. is the mechanism by which these bad actors exploited uh, and by the way the chinese communist party is very much in the mix there as a bad actor in the last two years um so my my argument is that we're under attack you know it's similar to your argument i again i really credit you for being ahead of the curve you and i spoke like I think summer of last year, when most people were still like, this can't be as bad as it looks, mm -hmm. that maybe they mean, maybe they really mean good things to us after all. People were still in Stockholm syndrome, I think. And you were one of the first to say, whoa, no, the, the, these people are not your friends. Um, just because they've got, you know, doctor ahead of their name or they're working for the government doesn't mean they're not corrupt. Um, and so we're we're we've seen kind of a a new alliance of transnational bad actors, meta-governmental, meta-corporate bad actors, including corporate bad actors, you know, al allied against us and not even against us as Americans or as Democrats or as Republicans, but as human beings and as the West and and also targeting kids. So that is that is the argument I make. And I think you're very perceptive in in seeing that it's a you know, we have to quickly snap out of partisan politics to really understand what's going on right now globally. A and that's I mean, that's a homily. Completely agree. Amen to every word, because here's what here's what the consortium or confederacy or shadowy coalition that you just described. Here's here's what it does. You know, in Western civilization for the last hundred years or so, we've kind of been having an argument between some of on the right, some of the traditions and philosophies that go way back to even an Augustine. On the left to some of the more modernist takes of someone like, say, an Oscar Wilde. And these two camps have been kind of arguing with one another about the extent of my conscience. How far can I go to act on it? Is there a God that I'm supposed to be accountable to? Or am I just accountable to me, provided I don't hurt somebody else and the other party is consenting, right? These are the traditional arguments that, you, that, that existed between the camp that you traditionally reside in and mine. Right. What, what's happened now is a group has come along, a movement has come along and said, you know what? We kind of find your arguments trite. 
Right. And 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 really, we want to transcend the fact that there isn't even an argument at all. Um, we're just going to go ahead and make all these calls for you guys, if you don't mind. In fact, you don't have a conscience at all. It's just going to be total compliance. That's the highest virtue now. The highest virtue is to show I'm compliant, to not critically think through everything. And now suddenly, Augustine and Oscar Wilde are looking at each other and saying, all right, man, we're going to get back to slapping each other around here in a few minutes. But that... That crap cannot cannot stand for five seconds because that is absolutely the root of where tyranny comes from every single time in the history of our species when one group decides that they have ascended to some plane that allows them to make the decisions for others. That is always the mustard seed for the kind of tyranny history books are written about. You're completely correct. Um, I would also say that even like what this attack on the human is showing is that even the heirs of Augustine and the heirs of Oscar Wilde had a lot of overlap in the sense that it was taken for granted. I mean, we really, you know, I'm making this argument in my book and I think you just made it as well. We really have to understand that we've taken for granted since the Renaissance that human beings are at the center of consciousness. Mm -hmm. But there's an enemy to human consciousness right now that seeks to, just as you said, dislodge us as the deciders of what happens to human destiny, human civilization, human fate. And I think that, you know, the heirs of Augustine and the heirs of Oscar Wilde would unite in being shocked by that proposition. And they would agree that it was human beings who should put humans first and that the un- unexamined assumption was that human goodness meant that human beings from whatever vantage point, whatever belief system were motivated by protection of the human, right? And protection of the species and optimizing the uh, benefits uh, on this planet to the human race. Well, that is no longer the truism. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I, I trace exactly who these people are and how they think. And I have to say, I'm kind of an exile from a world in which I was in those rooms. I hung out in those cocktail parties. I heard those globalist conversations of people who literally are a meta class now who don't have a sense of any allegiance, not just to the United States or to Britain or to France uh, or to Russia, for that matter, because they're just connected to each other above all those nation states. But they do not have an allegiance to ordinary human beings. Mm. And they truly, and this is, you know, I've got a whole chapter on how dangerous it is to mirror image because you're not going to get where we are now. These people really do not think other human beings who are not in that class have the right to make decisions about their own lives because they truly believe that other people will not decide correctly, that they're better positioned by, you know, fate to decide correctly. Um, and they have no problem stripping you of your, your liberties and your self-determination. Mm. And they have no problem. Look what they've done for the last two years. They have no problem. You know, they are sociopaths, right? In the sense that they no longer have compassion for other human beings. So they, they had no problem masking your kids at the expense of all science and medicine, you know, studies show that kids have lost 21 percentage, uh, I'm sorry, 21 IQ points during the pandemic. They've lost language skills. They are no longer able to 
uh, pr process recognizing human faces holistically because of this masking. These people had no problems uh, with a massive transfer of wealth, which I track in the book, uh, crushing Main Street businesses, small businesses, forcing you know bars and restaurants and event spaces out of business so that they could be scooped up at fire sale prices by BlackRock and Vanguard. Um, they have no problem with massive theft. They have no problem, uh, you know, keeping your children out of school so that edu tech and, you know, distance learning, which were dog, you know, tech products before the pandemic got to be multi-million dollar um, investment uh, instruments. Uh, and they have no problem. I mean, I, I track how tech kind of had a goal of killing off all of the things we do that make us stronger as human beings, you know, worship, culture, uh, in-person music, singing, um, dancing, funerals, weddings, hmm. uh, in-person school, uh, town halls where we convene in person. Human beings are very sophisticated um, technologies and, and in some ways better than uh, digital technologies. You can't hack a brain yet. You can't hack a book. You hmm. can't hack a car with a combustion engine. But so big tech, you know, drove these policies uh, that would suppress and kill off all the ways that we are good at being human, all the ways in which we are better than machines, um, all the ways in which we get strength from each other uh, and and replace them with digital alternatives. And And that's just evil. You just uh, described essentially the entire trans and very eloquently the entire transhumanist movement, and what what makes this very scary is when Augustine and Og Oscar Wilde were fighting this out, libertinism versus traditionalism for the last hundred and fifty years or so in the West, they had elections, and 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 you'd have to live next to the neighbor that maybe voted differently than you. Your your kids went to the same schools. There was some check and balance off of kind of going there from a rules of cultural engagement standpoint, because you still, after the dust settled and whether your side won or lost, we still had to let kind of live in these neighborhoods together, right? Now you're talking about a group that, that, that just exists outside of that time and space. They are not accountable to any sort of provincialism on any level at all, no subsidiarity at all, no electioneering at all. So you're not a citizen in the UK deciding if you want to belong to the EU or not, or you want to break away. They just take all these decisions and everything away from you. And without that direct interaction, now that 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 human component of, yeah, yeah, like Ice-T once famously said, Twitter has taught a lot of Americans that they can get away with saying stuff on social media that in the past they'd have gotten punched in the mouth for, right? Well, this kind of works on a cosmic scale with this group. They don't have to face us. They're not accountable to us. They don't have to lie to us during an election cycle. They can just go there with impunity whenever they want. And what is the accountability mechanism? How do you declare war on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? I mean, there's no way of doing this. They literally exist outside of our traditional accountability mechanisms. I mean, again, you're getting to the heart of the problem. Um, you're going right to core, the core theory of what's happened. And it's very valuable. And, and I agree. And I've got a chapter on the lack of accountability. Uh, let's just look at churches and synagogues, right? They were forced to close during the pandemic. And I track how there's this, this money flow, uh, not just from a billion dollars from the CARES Act, but also from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for COVID education to all these community groups and, and you know, grassroots leaders, including religious leaders. And the effect is 
they couldn't open because they took the money, right? The effect is they couldn't even, you know, warn people about harms they might find out about vaccines or so on or social distancing because they took the money. So in a church or synagogue, you get to meet and worship with and work with people who don't necessarily vote the way you do. Mm -hmm. And your kids become friends and you're part of a community. Well, that got killed off. Um, and what arose in its place is we were forced into digital town squares, basically digital spaces that can be censored, unlike real town squares, real synagogues, real churches that cannot be censored when you're face to face. And our and algorithms mediated what we could hear and not hear. I personally was, you know, famously deplatformed from Twitter and they just reiterated that I can never come back for posting the CV of Dr. Ralph Barrick, a public document, a primary source, which showed that um, the NIH had actually funded gain-of-function research. But leaving that aside, so, you know, instead of places where even in quite tyrannical regimes, when people are face-to-face, -face, they can communicate pretty freely, you know, if, if there's not like a listening device right inside the room. Instead, we're, we're you know, our very speech, our very civic life, our very religious life now, you know, Zoom Shabbat, right? Zoom bat mitzvahs are mediated through digital technologies mm -hmm. that uh, dial down our real human exposure to other people, certainly to other people who are not like us, and dial down even our exposure to truths that we could be sharing, um, you know, by, by gossip and chit chat if we were face to face. And that's... That's intentional. And I ask people to consider, I look at all the money that was made by big tech and is being made by lockdowns and by killing off the human. But I also ask people to consider, you know, what what was their actual lived experience of the pandemic from their own actual life as, a, as opposed to what was presented in their digital life, you know, in their online life, because it's very different. Um, and, and I compare that to, for instance, never to minimize any, you know, public health crisis. But uh, first of all, our country has lived through many worse infectious disease waves in the past from yellow fever to typhus to cholera, uh, you know, the Spanish flu and so on without ever restricting liberties the way they have been during the pandemic. But also, you know, in between 1980 to 1984, when I went to college, it was the height of a, a very, very serious epidemic of, of HIV mm -hmm. infections and deaths and thousands and thousands and thousands of people died. It was an absolute tragedy, not to minimize that tragedy at all, but rightly when a few crazy people said, let's quarantine these infected individuals. Let's not let them have a normal life. Let's track them. Let's not let them be intimate with anyone else. Civil libertarians, you know, from across the political spectrum said, no, that's not how we do America, right? These people have liberties, they have, they're adults, they, you know, you warn people, etc. You're not free to, you know, harm someone intentionally, of course, with your body, but um, people were not restricted uh, forcibly. And where I'm going with this is between 1980 and 1984, other things happened in history, right? That epidemic was not the only thing that happened in history, the way that between 1920 and 1922, it was all COVID, COVID, COVID. Uh, there was no human civilization, pretty much no novels, no theaters, mm -hmm. no, no, no events, no movements, no protests, except the quite orchestrated ones. Um, nothing else happened but COVID, right? So just think about your life in 1980 to 1984, 
if you had been forced inside and all you'd been allowed to do was read about HIV, right? Mm. It would have been no less tragic, but all of all of American history would have come to come to a halt. And you, you know, all the other things that could have happened wouldn't happen. So now compare, you know, 2020 to 2022 and think about what what do you really know? Like, I know two elderly people who died. Very sad. I know two people who got very sick and have long term symptoms. Um, and I know a lot of people who were vaccinated who've gotten very sick with COVID. But apart from that, I, I really I don't see bodies in the street. You know, and I look in, in my book, I look at the Amish and I look at Orthodox Jews and who just didn't comply with right. the tyranny. Where's and all the funerals it, of all the Costco and big box store workers, all the truck drivers who never who were considered essential and never stopped and went the entire time, all the people, the DoorDash and and Grubhub people. Where, where's the mass funerals of all those employees? That is kind of what you're getting at, right? Well, not quite, because I don't want to minimize that frontline workers really did get sick. Sure. And some of them did die. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that commu- the data are in conclusively about two things. Communities that shut down didn't do any better than communities that stayed open. Right. What, but they did much better in other ways, like, you know, better in terms of deaths of despair, better in terms of, you know, kids not being suicidal, better in terms of, you know, economic health, right? So the lockdown was a, a waste. And, and Bill Gates has just acknowledged it, right, at the 92nd Street Y. He said, oh, we didn't know. It was not that fatal. It only got old people. We didn't know that kids would suffer so much from being locked inside for two years. Um, now they're acknowledging it. They're being forced to, I think, by partly by the work we're doing in exposing the Pfizer lies. But leaving that aside, the other thing that I track is how a lot of the metrics which allowed the story of widespread destruction to unfold, right? And I'm not saying there wasn't destruction, but like the global war on terror, it was also hyped. It was also exploited and manipulated to make it more fearsome than the numbers uh communicated the real numbers. So I look at the third party tech platforms and sorry to get a little nerdy here, Steve, but we build at my company, Daily Cloud, we build government database data uh, platforms that display government data, right? So I, I understand how these things are made. So they were all third party, right? Johns Hopkins Bloomberg's database, which was always cited by the media, COVID-19 tracking project, which was always cited by the media, the New York Times uh, map of COVID infections where you couldn't see the raw data sets. In none of these third party platforms were you allowed to examine the raw data sets, which is how people in tech or reporters understand that these are real numbers. So in each case, it turns out, and I expose this in the bodies of others, that there was fudging of the data presentation being done. And, you know, very serious fudging in some cases. And, you know, the World Health Organization admitted at the start of this year that the PCR tests, which are the basis of mm-hmm. cases, were not reliable and could be dialed up or dialed down. I actually visit a PCR test lab in the bodies of others. Um, we've got uh, Dr. Henry Ely and two Oregon state senators uh, 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 
calling for a grand jury investigation of the CDC for their uh, willful misconduct in the state senator's terms for mishandling the data and and ramping it up and for moving down the cause of death on the death reporting forms so that something that was a contributing factor automatically gets moved down as a conclusive factor and counted as a COVID death. So basically there's been bad faith monkeying with the numbers Mm -hmm. all the way through. So basically I've got a chapter called the unverifiable pandemic. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it does mean we've been lied to a lot and Mm -hmm. that the numbers are not good numbers. The science is not good science. Naomi, this is one of the smartest interviews I've done in my entire career, and uh, we should pick it up sometime in the future and definitely do it again. All right. I appreciate that. I agree. (laughs) There's so much to say. (laughs) Thank you. The book is, uh, you can pre-order it right now, folks. It goes on sale at the end of this month. Uh, The new authority, the bodies of others, the new authoritarians, COVID-19 and the war against the human, the bodies of others, the new authoritarians, COVID-19 and the war against the human from Dr. Naomi Wolf. And she has been uh, as advertised. Incredible. Thank you, Naomi. God bless you. Appreciate the work you're doing. And if there's anything we can ever do to help amplify it, do not hesitate to ask. Okay. I'm grateful to you. Thank you so much. You bet. I appreciate You bet. Take care. All right. Any quick reaction to that? It when she said how the the web, uh, uh, Twitter, etc., has taken us out of our persons. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. Uh, this is a personhood argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of our persons into the digital sphere. She's ba- we're basically became part of the matrix, and we thought that that was going to be pure freedom. And ultimately, she makes the clear and correct statement. No, that was ultimately pure bondage because we became more easily manipulated than ever before. She was exactly right. Yeah. I got to tell you the the part that really hammered she, that really struck me is when she said, this is the first time we've ever had one of these in human history where that's all that occurred during that period of time. Nothing else of any magnitude or significance mattered other than that life essentially did not otherwise go on aside from the tragedy. And that I think really made an exclamation point with me. We'll come back with more in a moment. Well, we try to cut through the BS here on this show. And of course, it is now uh, full-fledged grilling season which means we're going to be doing more cutting uh, this time of year than we typically do the rest of the time of year. Uh, And we just went into summer here, by the way, in the Midwest, right? Like it was, I had the heat on, literally the heat was on in my home. And you know what it takes for me to get cold? Yeah. Okay. The heat was on in my home the first week of May. The central air is on in my home now, the second week of May. (laughs) That's life in the Midwest, right? So last week it was like, is winter ever going to leave? I mean, it was freezing cold here, man. All right. And now we just skipped spring and we went right to 90 degrees. And here come the wasps and everything else, right? Summer just, July just happened overnight. That means grilling season. If you are looking for, we're talking now, cut through that thick porterhouse or ribeye like a knife through butter kind of knives. You are looking at our new friends, uh, Kamikoto knives, uh, and these are from Japan using steel sourced from there. Each blade made with techniques that have been honed and perfected 
by generations of knife smiths. And they come in a beautiful, heavy-duty heavy ash wood box. I mean, they sent some to my house. It is a really nice box. Not going to lie. That's a nice box. You don't mind having that out on the counter. I mean, it gets people's attention. And the knives are very sharp as well. All right, so they make amazing gifts, and they come in those really good-looking boxes as well. Uh, so if you want to be confident in a product with a lifetime guarantee, go ahead and buy now. Get $50 off site-wide on top of their special offers. When you go to Kamikoto. K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O and use the offer code DACE for an extra $50 off. That's K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O dot com slash DACE. All right, let's get to uh, Pop Culture Tuesday in our final segment on the show here when we look at the intersection between what's trending in popular culture and conservatism. Next week, actually I think it's a week from today, no, a week from yesterday, so it's the 16th and 17th of May. Next week, Fathom Events. Those are the special uh, performances or productions that are distributed nationwide by Cinemark Theaters, one of the largest theater chains in the country. Fathom Events is coming out with a, a new movie. Uh, it's kind of a documentary called The Matter of Life. And it attempts to take a pretty in-depth look at the decades long going on a second generation now long raging debate over abortion in america the three of us each had an opportunity to uh, preview this over the last couple of days watch it for ourselves before it hits screens and multi cinemark multiplexes across the country let's get a review and some reaction todd i'll start with you what did you think i thought it was excellent uh really well crafted for the it, it's it's an hour and 40 minutes so it is a movie uh, but you're dealing with an, uh, the short attention span age well it's the way it's crafted it's very fast moving while never selling out on the heft uh, of its content and it just keeps it moving along so that I, I can't think of honestly a better if you if you just had to have um uh, a college course or even a high school course uh, where you took two days uh, to digest this. It, 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 it's set up perfectly to do that. And it comes at the entire spectrum. It's not a one-trick pony. It masters the philosophical. It masters the first-person uh, testimony. It goes there, and it goes there with a, a fantastic explanation. I mean, the point where it talks about why we need to show about the carnage of what abortion is and how, how it'll, uh, it it pulls you into that with, with the story of uh, Emmett Till was fascinating. It has all yes. kind of historical markers yeah. and relationships, some of which I knew, some of which I didn't. But it's not doing it just to be smart. It's just, it it tells you it to show the level of, like we just talked about with Naomi Wolf, the level of manipulation that has been going on this entire time. Uh, I, I think this was honestly an A+. Incredibly well done. What'd you think, Aaron? Uh, the 10 minutes that I got to watch of it was very, very good. Um, I can't really give you a full picture. I guess I probably, you probably should have told me that before I asked you the question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the uh, full picture I didn't really get, but I, it seemed like it was set up very well. With um, I wasn't sure quite actually where it was going, but uh, the first 10 minutes were very good. See, I actually didn't like the first 10 minutes. Uh, the first 10 minutes, I was actually very, very concerned. 
Um, See, that's why I liked it, though, because uh, I didn't know where it was going. I thought maybe this is going to be a, a, an actual fair picture. Uh, the, the, the issue that I had with the first 10 minutes is it, it really highlights irreligious or non-religious views uh, or, or pro-life people, which I don't, I don't mind. I'm happy saving human life with anybody, regardless of whether they share my religious viewpoint or, or not. But I thought at the beginning, it kind of came across like that's, there's, there's mutual exclusivity there. You know what I'm trying to say? When the reality is, if it wasn't for the church, there would have never been any organized resistance to the abortion but, movement yeah. in America whatsoever from the very beginning. You're converted and you're already pro-life. So right. that, that's right. the reason. Right. If you if instantly you get people going, oh, danger, Will Robinson, yeah. you know they're going to tune out. Yeah, and that's a good point, too, that you make there. But uh, but by the time we get to the, after that initial 10 minutes, and then it makes, and then when you get to the rest of the film, it makes why they did what they did in the opening yeah, 10 minutes exactly. make far more sense. Because I, I thought that this actually got better as it went along. Uh, I thought the idea, I loved the idea actually of starting with the modern arguments on both sides and addressing them and then going with the history of where of Malthusian ethics and uh, eugenics and things of that nature, because w- because going to that history at the end, going to that history at the end, I think makes it more potent because you 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 avoid the risk of of creating the other side's arguments as caricatures from the beginning, and that you didn't show it any significance or empathy or considerate on any level whatsoever. All right. And, and so, all right, I'll, I'll accept your arguments at face value. I'll listen to you. And, and the other side's arguments are shown fairly objectively, I think, in the first mm-hmm. act of the movie. But now that you've asked me to consider your viewpoints, here's why I won't agree to them. And, and by bringing the history of this in, what it does is it says to a lot of people who have bought into these talking points, do you know, do you even know what you're acquiescing to, you're agreeing to. Do you know the full gamut, the full consequence, meaning of these terms and and what they're for and what they mean? I did not know uh, that Betty Friedan had written in the 80s about her regret about, uh, you know, being such a strong proponent of abortion and that abortion had essentially warped the feminist movement to now we've gone from... Uh, women should be freed from being only defined as birthing units and nurturers that they get to pursue careers and self-actualize too. to now it's terrible if women actually just what's feminist about, Hey, I made the decision myself that this is what I want to do with my life. Isn't that what that's kind of was the argument she was making in the eighties. Isn't that what feminism was supposed to be that women can as a first wave feminist, that women can have their determine their own destiny. And if you determine your destiny is mm-hmm. I like being a mom. What's wrong with that? I didn't know about any of that kind of stuff, you know? And so I'm, I consider myself fairly well informed on, on these matters. So I thought that was very potent. One of the parts about the movie I loved the most is it is when it laid out the various groups of people that are the biggest obstacles to the abortion movement that the abortion movement recognizes are its biggest opponents and what stand in the way. And, and, and without spoiling it, I won't spoil them all, but number one, I found to be 
fascinating timing given how this conversation is being had in our culture right now on other fronts. And the number one group was parents. Yep. The number one group was parents. The, the, the idea is, is it safe for you and your, for you, for your children to discuss these matters with you in your home? Because if it is, even if you guys, even if you and your kids don't come down on the same side of things, they're far less inclined to full throat endorse the talking points of a Planned Parenthood, for example. Um, but if you don't, and the, and these things, they're not safe to be discussed in the home, then it will get outsourced eventually, and they will seek other sources to 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 find out what the what the solutions are to these things. I thought I w- the way they laid that out, I found to be particularly effective. Oh, and and they well. It's effective to be, they were unafraid to, to go there on every single matter. All the first person testimonies, they didn't, they didn't try to just go the easy, they, they did the the college age girl. They did the underage girl. They did uh, rape. They, they did all of it. They would, I, I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, and the, they weren't afraid of science because they brought in the doctor and his testimony and that entire story there's nothing left unsaid there's no you know dark closet of the inarguable in there Uh, and that's probably why it's hour and 40 minutes long unfortunately Mm -hmm. to do respect to the number of ways that the evil wants to choke the life uh literally and figuratively out of this entire movement um, demanded that these people uh, in their earnestness um, just say, you know what? Yes, this could be shorter. And yes, this generation has short uh, attention spans, but we, we, we got to do this this way. And to God goes the increase. Again, I, I, I simply can't imagine them putting together a better product let's discuss the most controversial part of the film here which you already referenced we'll do that in a minute after i remind the audience about rough greens it's the supplement powder that you give to your pet uh and your puppy because uh that's a big part of your family and it means more than just giving it food and water it's health and happiness is important to you guys well unfortunately a lot of the food that you would buy for your pet at the store before it ever left the factory was stripped of a lot of the vitamins minerals and nutrients needed for the same reason they do it to the people food that we eat today for mass distribution that's why we take so many supplements as humans today and now there's one for your pet it's a green supplement powder you mix in with your pet's food to put all that good stuff back in it now you though you may be wondering what if i don't see a difference in my pet it doesn't work or what if my pet doesn't like the taste well how about we challenge and and confront that obstacle together by giving you that first 14 day jumpstart bag for free you'll pay for the shipping so that you've got uh, an investment in this because we want you to use it for your dog we think it'll make a difference for your pet but the 14 day jumpstart bag to get you started is on us when you go to roughgreens.com r-u-f-f roughgreens.com r-u-f-f or you can call them 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's R-U-F-F again, 833-ROUGH-DOG. So you mentioned the Emmett Till reference in the film. And uh, Delano Squires was on our show last week, and he mentioned the the tragedy of Emmett Till in another context. And for those of you that don't know the full story of that, after he was murdered um, by some whites in the in, in Mississippi back in the 50s, and his remains, or what was left of them anyway, were shipped back to his mother. I think they lived in, the family lived in Chicago, if I recalled, right? When the remains were shipped back to the mother, 
she responded by having an open casket funeral. And they told her that's ghastly. You can't do that. You can't expose people to that. And she said, no, I want the world to see what they did to my baby. In the past, I've referenced on this show how one of the key swings of momentum in the civil rights struggle was a lot of families as the TV dinner age was, was coming of age. And so now we're sitting around with our, over our TV dinners watching TV and Walter Cronkite and John Chancellor at night are showing you, depending on what channel you tune into, you're watching blacks getting high pressure water hosed in the South. And, you know, maybe you wouldn't, uh, maybe you kind of aren't the most racially progressive person, maybe in the 50s or 60s. And maybe you wouldn't be like, yeah, I'd be really anxious to have black neighbors, but your kids don't understand that. And they're asking all kinds of questions like, why are they doing this to these people? And what they do to deserve this? Is this fair? It isn't right. And it's causing a lot of uncomfortable questions in the home, right? Yeah. And a lot of those parents now suddenly were like, got religion on this issue and called their congressman and said, make that stop. That's one of the ways you got your Civil Rights Act of 1964. Okay. Well, they draw this analogy uh, from Emmett Till to the abortion issue. And they spend about a minute or I think it's about a minute showing you with a disclaimer, the actual remains of aborted babies. And they do so under the guise of following the cautionary tale of Emmett Till and what his mother, uh, which she forced the public to see, and they want to force the public to do the same thing. What'd you think of that? Again, the execution of how they brought you into it, explaining philosophically, historically, the importance, the way they even uh, give you uh, a note of like, we're about to do this. There's not going to be any description. Um, If you need to turn your eyes away, we understand. Uh, but it was perfect. There's some gruesome ones going around lately uh, on the uh, internet of uh, of older babies. These are mostly, uh, you know, tiny. They fit in a Petri dish. But despite being tiny, they're clearly, obviously human. Legs, arms, faces. You, again, it's the Imago Dei is right there. And to hear the doctor who spent his whole life nearly destroying these babies did to say a lot that once I got it realized what isn't that complicated, but I had to kill so much until I finally got it and go through great suffering myself in my own personal life that the baby that can fit in the palm of your hand like this, if it's a little bigger or if it's a little smaller, it's still the same. And then, but logically, if you get down to this, it's still no different. It's the same human being. It's you. It's the, always been the same you. And it just, perfectly brings together where they started philosophically it ends with that um which is why again which is no small thing as you've tried to do in an entire book that's now being made to movies to keep the thread going Mm -hmm. in different ways so it's unassailable at the end it's very good filmmaking yeah Uh, and and it closes with some powerful testimonials a former abortion doctor and his testimonial uh a young lady who was raped uh, at her high school and the de- decision that to not abort the child and what that did to her family and the outcome of that story um, that I don't want to spoil for you because I just think watching these things in real time yeah. will be far more impactful. But it's very, very well done. It might be the best comprehensive pro-life apologetic film I've ever seen. It, um, it, it's up there. And I would highly recommend it. So it's coming to Cinemark Theaters next week. Fathom Events, The Matter of Life is what it's called. Uh, you get a high recommendation from both Todd and I. And Aaron liked the first 10 minutes. 
That's going to do it for today's program. We're back again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.